Stumps. It's Michael Bevan's evening at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Ryan Charles Lara becomes the first man in the history of the game to register a score of 400. Last ball of the innings. And he's put it away. Six sixes and an over. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Redemption is complete. Australia has beaten England by five to nothing. Covering cricket from across the country and across the globe, this is Stumps with Nims and Simon O'Donnell for OTR, making life easy. Yeah, that's right. We do it for our good friends at OTR. This is Stumps. If you need milk, bread, eggs or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. Welcome to Stumps. My name is Nim Cazor. It's an absolute pleasure to have your company right here on 5AA. And make sure you get in touch with us on the OTR talkback line if you'd like to have a chat with myself and the Australian cricket legend, Simon O'Donnell, a man who knows just what it's like to uh, play uh, this time of the year. It's almost like Christmas for you and I welcome him into the studio. Simon, thanks for joining us on another season of Stumps. Nims, uh, lovely to be here. Uh, the sun is finally on our back. It's a little bit warmer and of course when uh, when that happens the snakes come out and so do the cricketers. So, yeah. um, and, and in no way do I compare the two. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, albeit probably at times you could. But, uh, welcome to everyone. Great to have your company and uh, we look forward to a, a, a an Ashes summer. They're special. Um, they're a cricket tour that everyone wants to be part of. And I, I just hope we've got enough cricketers around the country that uh, want to perform over the next four or five weeks and really put their name up in lights and and make sure it shines very brightly towards the selectors and, and we get that uh, 11 to take on England in the first test as, uh, as strong as we possibly can. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because, as you mentioned, it, it is an Ashes uh, summer and very, very exciting times. For me, This was a, it's the pinnacle of test cricket. It's a pinnacle of cricket, full stop. And we also want to quickly mention a shout-out to the women's cricket team as well because they've got the women's Ashes, which mm-hmm. start as well in Brisbane pretty shortly. I know tickets go on sale very, uh, very soon. But uh, you're right. I know that we, we just pumped up the tyres of the Ashes saying this is going to be pretty big, but something this year, for me at least, has taken the gloss off just a little bit. And I'm not as excited as I was, say, four years ago, even two years ago. Nims, why? Look, yeah, I, I'm not you've, sure... You've just knocked me over the feather. <laughs> oh, no. why, aren't you ex- why aren't you as excited? We've gone out of the blocks and I've already uh, knocked over O'Donnell off and through his feet. But uh, look... I've been going 30 seconds... <laughs> But but the thing is, it's like Australia. We 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 used. We've got a very high level when it comes to um, playing Test cricket. From your day to uh, when I was a kid, to seeing uh, captains like Border, Taylor, Ponting, Steve Waugh, Michael Clark, and taking nothing away from Steve Smith, but his men in the Test arena in the past six or so months, I don't think have been uh, getting the job done. I think. It's been dissected and diced and cut up and turned around and spun a million ways so far. I'm going to spin it another one to you right now. And, and I hope it makes sense because it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. We go back and, and let, it's terrible and you don't want to compare other eras and I'm not comparing other eras. What I'm comparing is the strength of a batting lineup uh, 15 and 20 years ago. And I want to name put three names in front of you. Mm-hmm. Brad Hodge, yep. Stuart Law, and Jamie Siddons. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Brad Hodge played two tests for Australia. He certainly did. Stuart Law, I think, played... Just the one. The one? One test. And Jamie Siddons didn't play any. No, he couldn't get a look in, unfortunately. And they were absolute first-class dynamos. Now, they couldn't get in the Test 11 in those days. If you were picking a Test 11 and you had Hodge, Law and Siddons available, I believe they'd be in Australia's top six now. Oh, 100%. So I think that gives you a fair level a fair idea of where our team is at. I don't think we have we are at all settled. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I will say on top of that, generally when your test team is settled, other than injuries, you, you use between 13 and 15 guys over a complete summer, if not over a 12-month period of test match cricket. We're regularly using 18 to 20. So, yes, we're not settled. We've got spots that are up for grabs. We've got young fellas that are finding their way. Young Matt Renshaw is doing a wonderful job. Oh, but So there's the, there's the equation. Uh, we have to lift. We have to find people. And that's what I say at the top of the show. Being an Ashes summer, this is the time for young men, when they put their head on a pillow at night, when they get their opportunity is to take it, put their hand up and say, hey, I'm the one for the future. And that's what Ashes, you hope, brings out that national pride amongst your first-class cricketers in this country. And not just, uh, you know, put your hand up, but take it by the scruff of the neck. But, uh, look, that's what Simon and I reckon. We'd love to hear from you out there. Uh, get in touch on the OTR Making Life Easy talkback line, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. Yes, that is a different number to the regular 5AA number, but it's our very own Stumps hotline. Simon and I have demanded we get our own phone number. so That's how good we're going. <laughs> yeah, so one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight on the OTR Making like Life Easy talkback line if you'd like to get in touch with us. But, look, we might not even have a captain um, when it comes to the Ashes in November because Stephen Smith, it just came out before we went to air that he's actually going to be returning home due to a shoulder injury, uh, which means he's going to miss the T20s. He injured it in the fifth and final one-dayer. We probably would have seen the footage, but he sort of landed awkwardly on his shoulder. But uh, what does this mean? I mean... Obviously, you want to be fit and ready. And yes, it is just early October, but you can't have a national series without your captain. Well, it means a couple of things. The first thing it means when he comes home, he'll be able to have a good um, feed of steak, eggs and chips. (laughs) Uh, He won't have got any of that in Bangladesh or India, I can assure you. Uh, It's not serious. They they don't believe there's any long-term issue. It's just, come on. Uh, it's an Ashes summer. Let's get him home and, and get him right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is such an important cog in the wheel. We all, we all know that. But just to, to go back, you know, um, and David Warner will take over the 2020 team um, uh, during the series while mm-hmm. Steve Smith is away. The other thing I wanted to mention, and where I say it, it's time for us to, uh, or for someone to put their hand up, let's have a look at the wicket-keeping situation in Australia oh, of course. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got Matthew Wade who's been overlooked for this 2020 series in India. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, Tim Payne's been called back into the team. Tim Payne's 32. so He's no spring chicken, Tim Payne. No, not at Peter all. Peter Neville got um, dropped in preference to Matthew Wade because he was going to do more with the bat. Mm-hmm. That hasn't worked out. And you, you would think there's going to be heavy debate before that first test match on who takes the gloves for Australia. I'm going to put my two bobs worth into that. Mm-hmm. My two bobs worth is... If Peter Neville wasn't good enough 18 months ago or 12 months ago to be in the test lineup, and Matthew Wade overtook him, mm. and now Matthew Wade is not the first pick keeper. No, he's definitely not in the sun at the moment. Well, 
neither of those guys should be playing in that Test eleven. It's interesting. We need a we need a and Tim Payne's not the answer to that either. He's thirty two. I feel for Tim Payne. I think he was probably the the next elect mm. um, after Brad Haddon. and he'll be he cur- had, he'll be cursing his thumb till the day he dies. Yeah, he will. You know, he's had those finger injuries, <laughs> and and that, that was terrible for him. But the, in there lies the opportunity, and and the opportunity I've been talking about a little earlier is that where is that keeper in Australia that now says. I'm the one. Is mm. it young Kerry from South Australia? Is it Bancroft from Western Australia? Where's that keeper going to come from? Because there is a wonderful opportunity. Because I just don't think our cricket's going anywhere mm-hmm. from a wicket-keeping batsman perspective if we go back to two that have had a, their chance and haven't measured up. I want to know, why do they even... And bear in mind, I've got an enormous amount of respect for Tim Payne here, but it, it I, I don't understand why the selectors went and picked him for this three-match T20 series when you could have flooded, like you mentioned. There's, there's plenty of young keepers out there, uh, like your Cameron Bancroft's, uh, uh, not only that too. Alex Carey's been taking the gloves for the Redbacks uh, pretty recently in the uh, JLT community series. And like you said, Tim Payne is 32. He's had a pretty lean uh, run of form. I'll just um, bring up his stats for you. He had two games for the World Eleven in uh, Pakistan for that uh, wonderful series that they uh, brought cricket back, but um, he, he didn't um, have a chance to to score any runs there. His his last game was in March for uh, it was a first class game for um, Tasmania where he put on forty four runs and twenty six respectively in both innings. At an international level, he got one not out against Sri Lanka and Adelaide uh, in February. A seven in Geelong when they played against Sri Lanka as well, and a duck in Melbourne. So he's not even in the in the right run of form. And I think this is where a selector really comes into their own. You, you as a selector, you can't be wholly and solely dictated to by statistics. Mm. You you have to go by gut feel. You have to go by what you're seeing and think. Can that can that technique? Can that uh, capacity of that player, both physically and mentally? go to the next level without having three or four years mm. of, of first-class cricket behind them? Is it Bancroft the one? Is is a Kerry the one? Whoever that might be. But that's where selection, a great selector, comes into his own. And remember Ian Healy, Greg mm-hmm. Chappell grabbed him from nowhere. Mm-hmm. He played some lead-up under-16 and under-19 cricket representing Queensland and National Carnivals. From memory, it was two or three first-class games he'd played, and then he was wicket-keeper for Australia. Hmm. That is the mark of a a gutsy call, but a great selector that had confidence, gave that kid confidence, and he ended up one of the wicket-keeping greats in this country. We need another big call in our wicket-keeping position because we can't go back to what we've had. Simon, I'll ask, I'll pose this question to you because uh, you've played at the highest level, uh, and you know your accolades speak for itself. But can you afford to rest on laurels and past? And you know, we other selectors may be remembering the explosive Tim Payne from uh, a series against West Indies in two thousand and nine. Are they doing that? Which is a very long time ago, and we need to blood some youth. But it's interesting that you do mention um, the. The, the role that statistics do play in because cricket is it's, it's a statistician's game like left right and center we we love it that's that's one of the beauties of this game you can see well this guy plays great in india so we'll pick him over such and such but at some point in time you need to you need to knuckle down and go well look we can't keep putting band-aid fixes do you remember in the 2012 um, world t20 cameron white was picked for the australian team to represent australia now cameron white 
I've got an enormous amount of respect for the Bear. He's a great domestic cricketer. Um, couldn't really translate that into the international arena to the success that he did playing for the Bush Rangers. But at the moment, they picked him because he was the informed person. They wanted to win that World Cup. They weren't looking you know, 10 years down the track. They weren't looking five years down the track. They were talking immediately for the next series. Is that what we're thinking about? Are we thinking for the next series or are we thinking for the next two, three, four, five series? What do we need to be doing? Oh, uh, we just... <coughs> nope. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, as a... Excuse as me, Nims. Not a problem. Simon gets through... We uh, need stability. That's what we need. But... And the role success has grown around stability. The role of the wicketkeeper has also changed as well because you had the pleasure of uh, playing with some amazing wicketkeepers uh, like Darren Berry for Victoria, uh, Ian Healy, as you mentioned. We had other greats like, for example, Phil Emery is a guy who uh, was a very talented uh, New South Welshman cricketer, and he got his chance obviously uh, when Ian Healy had to step down. But guys like Greg Dyer, Tim Zura, all of the greats throughout these guys were specialist keepers. Now. I feel that the wicketkeeper role is almost a, a secondary thing because we, there was talk during the uh, Bangladesh series to give Peter Hanscom the gloves. Yeah, I, I think Peter Hanscom's too. Early, it's too early in his career. If if you want him to wicketkeep and, and he's the best keeper in the country, well, so be it. But mm-hmm. I, I think he then drops down a, a rung or two from a batting point of view and, and goes to at least six and not at five. But the role of the keeper traditionally goes to the best keeper in the country. Adam Gilchrist, okay, he was an exception to the rule. Oh. I don't think he was the best keeper in the country, but he was a number three or four batsman. So, you know, what what you lost behind the stumps, you, you gained um, uh, that and more mm-hmm. uh, when he picked up a cricket bat. So so he, he was an exception to the rule. What's... But what, what my point is with, with these... Um, particularly this wicket-keeping situation. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can come... I need to see that Peter Neville has improved. No one can prove to me, and I don't think his stats prove to me, that his batting has improved out of sight, which which brought him undone in the first place. Mm -hmm. The statistics are not telling me that Matthew Wade's any better than what he was 18 months ago when he took over the the wicket-keeping role again. So I'm saying, well, guys, we've got... You can't have either of those two. No. Um, You know... The first sign of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, we've got to get someone from somewhere of quality mm-hmm. to stand behind the stump for Australia. What's been interesting too is the fact we talk about Matty Wade because he has made the move from Victoria back to his home state of Tasmania. Now, you've got um, Matty Wade, Tim Payne, Ben Dunk, who can also uh, um, keep wicket, all fighting for that one spot. I've, I've always been under the impression that uh, your domestic competition, the the state level, is there to build players for Australia, to blood players for Australia. Is that who is it benefiting? Matty Wade, um, Tim Payne, and Ben Dunk all fighting for the gloves in Tasmania. You know, I don't know what they've done there and, and what that's that's about. I, I think there was a move on for Tim Payne to go to New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was it New South Wales or it might have even been South Australia? Whatever it, whatever it was, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting how, they, it? yeah. how they figure it, they'll figure it. Uh, but that's Tasmania's problem. I, I'm, I'm thinking from a national perspective that you know, we need some fresh blood and we can't, we can't keep going and bringing in 
um, old wood, for want of a better way of putting it. And that, of now, that sounds very cutthroat, but unfortunately, you're representing your country. It is cutthroat. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you don't dish out baggy green caps uh, because you're a good fella or we think you deserve another chance. You have to earn that chance, and I don't think our wicket keepers at this stage have earned that chance. I want. I would still per, per, uh, prefer mm-hmm. that we went to that younger, up-and-coming person that may be a Bancroft. There, there's probably two or three names that could be thrown in. Um, uh, their name can mm. be thrown in the hat, but that's up to the selectors. But it's time that our core selectors made a big decision because... I don't think we can go back to what we've had. No, but, but we'd love to hear from you on the OTR Making Life Easy talkback line. As I said, it is a different number to the regular 5AA talkback line, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. Maybe you've got the solution out there. I'll just give you a quick JLT score update as well. At the moment, Queensland is 4 for 290 off 48 overs. A tremendous knock from Matty Renshaw, 74. Um, Usman Khawaja, 85. And it's good to see Uzi back in the runs too, don't you reckon, Simon? And... Uh, Look, it's like you mentioned, we've got the talent. We do have the talent. This country is fantastic when it comes to blooding young cricketers. But at the moment, like you said, no one's really putting their hand up, are they? Yeah, and there's a there's a spot in the Victorian team for, a, I suppose, a, a young quick two after um, John Hastings John this Hastings morning retired, announcing yeah. uh, his retirement. So uh, the Vicks would dearly need him up at North Sydney <laughs> Oval with the way the Queenslanders are belting around just at the moment. But... Uh, um, you know, it's sad to see him go. You know, mm-hmm. he was a real A-lister, Johnny Hastings, in in all forms. From the point of view of, you know, he just loved cricket. Mm-hmm. He loved being part of a team. You know, he always thought team first, and uh, and he'll be sadly missed. But you know, he had a a ripping career. We'll still see him with the Melbourne Stars, but we won't see him uh, in the first class arena around Australia anymore. No, you certainly won't. But uh, this has been uh, well. This is Stumps with Simon O'Donnell and myself, Nimzazor. We'd love to get you on board the show on the OTR Talkback line. OTR, need milk, bread, eggs or something else? OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. A little bit earlier today, we caught up with John O'Merlo. We had a good chat with him. He's a young Australian batsman slash bowler. Well, he's an all-rounder, actually, for the Cricket Australia 11. He'll be in action against New South Wales. We'll play that chat for you a little bit later on. But uh, we've got to take our first break, so we'll do that now here on Stumps on 5AA. If you'd like to get in touch... Give us a call, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. Be interesting to see if anyone knows what we can do with our wicket keeping conundrum. But as I said, this is Stumps with Simon O'Donnell and myself, Nims Azor. Stumps with Nims and Simon O'Donnell for OTR. Welcome back to Stumps here on 5AA. We do it for our good friends at OTR, making life easy. If you need milk, brig bread, eggs, or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. And it's that time where we should really do this. Now on Stumps, a South Australian cricket update for Sip and Save. No matter what the occasion, start at Sip and Save. Yeah, and you can start at Sip and Save with Cooper's Mid-Ale 24-pack, just $39.99. And start at Sip and Save with South War- South- Southwark Bitter. 24 packs, 44.99. Not a bad drop, that, I could tell you that. But uh, Now, we were just mentioning before the break uh, the stocks that we have in uh, in the domestic competition. How are we going to go? And uh, there's quite a wealth of talent here in South Australia, isn't there, Simon? Yeah, there certainly is. And they're sitting on top of the table in this JFT uh, competition uh, as we speak. They played 3-1-2. Mm-hmm. They got off to a shocker, beaten by the uh, Cricket Australia 11. But I think it's a good opportunity for... 
for anyone listening out there that um, wants to have a chat about uh, how they think the local side is going to go, not only for the rest of this JLT series, but uh, with the Sheffield Shield competition mm-hmm. just around the corner, of course played in two parts and the, the big bash uh, in the middle. Um, what are your thoughts on South Australian cricket? Uh, Jamie Siddons back at the helm. This is his second go as a coach of South Australia. Greg mm-hmm. Blewett, a favourite son over there, is, um, is back in the coaching ranks as well. So it'll be interesting to see how how the South Australian year goes and, and possibly what you think. one three hundred two three five five four eight. Give us a call on our uh, talkback line. Anything you'd like to talk about within uh, the South Australian cricket ranks. Yeah, it's interesting you do mention because there was a shock loss to the Cricket Australia 11 and I think probably uh, the CA 11 just got them on a bad day but because they really did bounce back because they had an 83-1 run victory against uh, Queensland uh, and Joe Meany claimed 5 for 36. Tom Cooper hitting an unbeaten 115, uh, as I mentioned. That was at Allen Border Field too, so they had to go do it up there. And uh, South Australia also spoiled Mitchell Stark's comeback match with a 45-run win over the Blues. Yeah, at Hurstville Oval, which is a, uh, it's not the biggest oval in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the New South Wales boys were pumped up, particularly with Mitch Stark coming back in. You know, they thought, isn't this... Um which is good. Uh, they pumped up the tyres a little bit. Yes, pumped up the tyres, thinking uh, early wickets, that, that's what we're after. But, um, you know, South Australia really have fought back after, um, and after, yes, shock loss. But mm-hmm. it just shows that sort of pride that they take in playing for their state. And, and that is so important. And uh, to see Joe Many, who look, he had a tough summer last summer, you know, into the test lineup, out of the test lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Which yeah. I don't, I don't like how they do that. You either you either commit or you don't. You can't just throw someone in for a for a handful and then sort of go, oh no, sorry, we've changed our mind. Because I think they can do a lot more damage than uh, than good. To be quite honest, yeah, it didn't do him much damage the other day when he took five <laughs> for thirty six. So <laughs> it's that. the good thing is, I think he's responded well to it, and mm-hmm. that that's the important thing. So you hope that Joe in the in the uh, uh, forthcoming month and a half, really puts his hand up and says, hey, I'm back in the best form uh, I possibly can be. That got me selected in the Test 11 last year. Give me another crack this year. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, we got our first call on the OTR open line. And uh, welcome. You're on Stumps here on 5AA. Uh, you've got Nims, Azor and Simon O'Donnell. Who's this? This is Heath from uh, Happy Valley. How are you, boys? And good to hear the show. Oh, G'day, Heath. Thanks for being a part of it, Heath. What do you, got, um, what do you want to uh, have a yarn about? Yeah, I just wanted to have a chat about Alex Carey. Uh, I think Simon's on the right track. I think Cricket Australia have already decided that Alex Carey may be the is going to be the next keeper. I've just you know I just noticed on their, their website they keep floating up little stories about him, so that uh, uh, you know when it comes Ashes time, it's not going to be such a such a surprise to the uh, Australian public that, that you know who is this kid. Yeah, just a little uh, get-to-know-him type scenario and uh, slowly welcome him to the fold, Heath. Yeah, I, I think so, Simon. Uh, um, I've actually seen this kid come through from, since he was about 11 years old and he's always just been you know, run right out of the box. So uh, I, I, you know, I really hope he gets the chance. Heath, I got a shock. You know, am I reading my stats right? He's 26. He's twenty six. Yep. Yeah. So he, he's not a. He, he's been around a while. I thought we would have, you know, heard more of him mm. early days. Has he? Has he uh, always well, been yeah, a keeper? Um, well, he always has been. But Simon, he was also picked up when uh, the GWS Giants uh, uh, were formed. In in fact, he was their first captain before they actually got into uh, the AFL. So he he went down the football. Uh, 
track for a little while, and yep. then he came back, I guess, about three or four years ago and has worked his way back into cricket. But he, he, he's absolute class. Fantastic. Oh, nothing wrong with a bit of footy background before you go out <laughs> onto the cricket field either. Uh, Puts a bit of solidness into a, uh, their, their, their capacity to annoy the living daylights out of their opponents, you hope, Heath. <laughs> I hate well, yeah, yeah, well, I, don't, I, I, I also think, I don't think he's, um, you know, somehow or other, Australian keepers seem to go down this, we've got to be chatting away and every ball. I, I don't think he's one of those. I think he's, uh, he's a bit classier than that. Heath, when you look at how the Redbacks are performing uh, in the JLT, sitting on top of the table, doing very well, it did look like they were in a bit of froth and bubble after Game 1, but they bounced back and did tremendous. I mean, let's look at the lineup here in, in the Redbacks. You've got guys like Callum Ferguson that have had um, experience at the highest level. He's leading the charges, but you've got some great guys there. Joe Many, Chad Sayers. Chad Sayers is someone who I reckon has been overlooked. Do you reckon we'll see a few more Redbacks uh, maybe penetrate their way into the Australian line? up or it's only if they move over east and get a uh, Cricket New South Wales baggy cap on that they can make it through <laughs> to the side. Yeah, so you, you get your baggy blue and a baggy green and, and another bag. <laughs> but uh, it seems to be the way. It's a little bit harder to get recognised. But look, you know, I, I think South Australian cricket suffers because it's pop, it's a population thing. You look at New South Wales, Victoria, there's, there's just huge numbers. Queensland's a lot bigger and so you know, we just don't get the same uh, numbers playing the game. Uh, and, yeah, perhaps we do get overlooked. But, uh, no, yeah, Chad says is an absolute classic. You, you, you would think if you go to England, you'd take someone like him. Mm. Okay, give us a buzz. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Heath. It's great to have a chat to you. Our open line, our talkback line number, one three hundred two three five five four eight for OTR, who's... Uh, yeah, they uh, do great some, supporter of uh, of stumps. They do some fine work. Thank you to the fine people at OTR. If you need milk, bread, eggs, or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. If you even have a craving for a late night whopper, OTR <laughs> can uh, help you out there, which is always good I'm, to see. I'm glad Keith uh, Heath settled me there, um, Nims, because mm-hmm. I, I was wondering where those years went to mm-hmm. with Alex Carey. I, I, I really, you know, I was thinking, gee, he's 26. I haven't heard enough about him. And the, the footy record just didn't come on my radar. I didn't bother to look. Well, I just looked at his his, um, his cricket form. So that settles me a bit. And, and knowing that those years weren't... You know, I'm not, not wasted, but they were out of the cricketing system. But they were still in a, in a competitive environment at elite level. So th- th- that's a good thing for him. We've seen too, like obviously, uh, for, just for those that don't know, Son O'Donnell also was a very talented footballer for the St Kilda Football Club, played at the highest level back in the VFL days. But this is something that you don't see anymore because, you know, sports has become a business now. It's been very, it's become very elite. Uh, a kid like Alex Keith, who was um, signed to the Adelaide Strikers, he now plays for the Adelaide Crows, a talented cricketer, and uh, he was also, um, he, 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 I believe he's captain of the Crows' Sandfall team too, so if anyone can correct me on that, in case I got that wrong, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight on the OTR open line, but... Uh, it's gotten to the point where you can't do one or the other now. So Will Sutherland, we've seen that as well. So the days where you know you could be a talented sportsman in in all disciplines. I mean, you even got kids that play basketball that also like to play cricket too. But there's a bit too much for conflict. Kids have been told pick one or the other. And the sports are now so competitive that that that, that um, identifying of the athlete is happening younger and younger every year. So you know you're getting down to. Thirteen and twelve-year-old kids that that are being pushed to play one sport and make a choice between their summer sport and their winter sport. And I, I personally think it's just absolutely and utterly wrong. 
Mm. Now, the kids playing their sports will learn just as much of other codes as they will off the code they have the most passion for. And, and I think that's very important in an environment where kids are being educated, that they learn um, the ways of playing, the ways of winning, the ways of losing, uh, how to handle certain situations, both mentally and physically in different sports, before they possibly go down that one sport road. It, it's interesting how you mention that because uh, times obviously do have changed. And as you said, we've got to move with we've got to move on with the times. But uh, you're right. I, I can't see how, um, as an as an administration, a kid that's talented in multiple disciplines of sports is a detriment to you. Yeah, can't be. It it, it, it is only a positive. But and I I think. In many cases, you know, the the, the parents are the are the ones that drive the kids in in uh, in one direction, and they don't appreciate that all the things they'll learn, whether whether it be from water polo, tennis, mm-hmm. basketball, cricket, footy, uh, or badminton, whatever sports they are, you know, when they're competitive, they they learn things, and and mentally that stays with you right throughout a career, and that education, that rounded education in in being competitive at elite level is very very important. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, give us a call on the OTR Making Life Easy open line one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. If you need milk, bread, eggs, or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR Making Life Easy. That number again because. It is different to the regular 5AA number, one 48 We'll take a quick break here on 5AA. This is Stumps. Uh, we'll come back because uh, we've got to talk about uh, the, the 2020s in India, Simon. Uh, that's going to be happening a little bit later on. So- and I want to test... Uh, you're the worst over you've ever bowled in your cricketing career, Nick. Oh, geez, not. Oh, we're going to be here for a while then. But uh, this is Stumps with Simon O'Donnell and Nims as well. We do it for our good mates at OTR, making life easy. If you need milk, bread, eggs, or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. Stumps with Nims and Simon O'Donnell for OTR. Easy. Welcome back to Stumps. My name is Nims Azor, joined by Simon O'Donnell. We'd love to hear from you. We do it for our friends at OTR, making life easy. Get in touch with us on the OTR talkback line, one 5548 uh, We've got a caller here right now. We'll see who we've got at the moment. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to Stumps. That's all right, no result. How heavy is the wind blowing down there today, John? Uh, no, thank goodness, Simon. It's not is blowing it? that heavily at all, thank heavens. But, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> can get a bit blowy Plays down up with a bit of the sinuses. Sorry? <laughs> can get a touch blowy down your way. It can, especially in September. Yeah. September and October. <laughs> you touched on footballers and cricketers, and I've got a couple of points, and one I want to make on the Ashes a little bit later in a minute if I can, thanks. Of course you can. But uh, Craig Bradley was a very good footballer and cricketer, of course, wasn't he? Certainly was. I played cricket with him. Um, yeah. He played a Shield game in Perth. I remember I was captain of Victoria and played with Craig in that. Yep. But he, he was a fantastic cricketer. Good bat. Yeah, good opening bat. Good number three type, wasn't he? Yeah. Top order player, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he batted five or six in that Shield oh, game. Shield cricket. At, um, yep. But, you know, you look, you know, you know, Craig, he was a real competitor, an athlete. Yeah. No, no one trained harder than Craig did. No, absolutely. Fitness fanatic. He, um, he vice-captain Australia under 19s. Mm. Mm. And- I, just on, uh, on the, I've got a couple of thoughts on the Ashes. I, I had a look at England during the, a little bit of the winter when they played South Africa in the West Indies, and I reckon they've got um, Joe Rudy, we know he's world-class, averages mid-50s. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, And Alistair Cook at the top of the order, but but they haven't got a regular opener with Alistair Cook. Um, I, and... Um, 
they go through their openers like no tomorrow sort of thing. And um, Ben Stokes, if he may or may not come out, he probably will, but I don't know. But he's a world-class player. And Mo, I think Mo and Ola can actually get sorted out out here on the bigger grounds with a bit of gym music. Yeah, that's if all our quick stay on their feet too. Yeah, that's John, right. That, that's a key ingredient. Over, so. yeah, Sorry? A key ingredient is our quick stay on their feet for that, no, be able to deliver that chin music. It, I, I think that... The, I, I agree with you from an op- opening point of view, England have their challenges. Um, Root's yeah. obviously a world-class player. And now the issue with Stokes. Now, they've got an imbalance very similar to ours. You know, we're not a settled lineup Now, when England were doing really well over the last four or five years, when Alistair Cook was captain, they had a very settled lineup, and And the key to these sides having a run of success is stability. So both Australia and England, to an extent, are going to be searching for that stability this summer. Yeah, that's the, this is what it's all about. This is the Ashes. This is now this is fair income. John, this is cricket. John, when you when you look at uh, what's happening in England at the moment, I mean, all this talk about yep. um, Joe, um, not Joe Root, sorry, um, Ben Stokes, Alex Hales uh, yep. dropping in and out, and all this off-field yep. sort of drama that's going on. Um, do, you, do you think that it takes the gloss off uh, what's going to be happening in November? Oh, the Ashes are pretty special. That's no, nah, the Ashes are not the Ashes. I mean, I'm a cricket purist. I can watch anybody play test cricket and all the rest of it, but the Ashes hold a special place mm. in my heart, and I think many Australian and English people... And an English, interesting stat that comes off what you've just said there in that opening spot, John, is mm. Alistair Cook, since Andrew Strauss retired... Now, Strauss retired, I'm going to say, six years ago. Yeah, about that. He has had 14 different partners at test level. In the winter, fourteen different partners. Wow, wait. Alistair Cook has had since Andrew Strauss um, retired. Uh, mm. Retired, left the order, mm. uh, left the top of the order, and obviously also as captain. Mm-hmm. But uh, that yeah. that is that is a damning stat. That so that that instability um, yeah. uh, for the Poms is, is going to be very similar to ours, and it will be who adapts best. I can tell you uh, that'll take out the series. Yeah, you're not wrong there, John. Thanks for getting in touch with us here on a Stumps. Uh, one three hundred. 235548 is the number if you'd like to get in touch with us here on Stumps. We do it for our friends at OTR, making life easy. If you need milk, bread, eggs, or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. And how's this, though, Simon? If you're uh, if you're in the mood for a dinner or something like that, Hungry Jacks you can get from OTR. Not only that, but you can also pick up some Oporto. Well, I'll tell you what I'm in the mood for. Hmm. Nims, I'm in the mood to find out a little bit more about your off-break bowling oh, in your no. career. <laughs> oh, no. And what was, what, you were an off-spinner, weren't you? Yeah, so this was back in Victoria when I uh, used to play for the Horsham Saints. Now, there could be some people in Adelaide that, Western know, District. that know Horsham very well. well. Driving back, back mm-hmm. and forth to grand finals, they're going to go through Horsham, don't they? That's it. And In fact, you'd, um, I had a whole bunch of people from town saying that you went and stole all the pies in Horsham, and that's an actual fact. <laughs> they, uh, they went out. but uh, You went and stole them? No, no, no. The, the Adelaide Crows Collective, when they were oh, okay. going through, they, were, they just took all the pies. You but... shouldn't have been eating them anyway. <laughs> no. Probably... Now, what was the worst over you bowled? For the Horsham Saints, with your what I hear were very cagey off breaks. So I'm having a look. I've actually pulled up, and this is the wonder that is the internet. I've got the My Cricket scorecard up here. Now this is round eight, Saturday, sixth of December. Um, Laharam defeated by the Horsham Saints. So obviously, I had a role in playing uh, something in this side. But my over two overs, none for twenty seven. Two overs. Two overs. So what was the most expensive of those two overs? Uh, that I, I think it was. An even kilt, pretty much. <laughs> Just oh. looking at. 
we're, we're talking about South Australian cricket, and it's got to be a highlight so far because the, the, I, I would say with confidence that the premier off spinner in the world at the moment is Nathan Lyon. Of course. Well, look what he did in uh, in Bangladesh. You could you could have a public holiday in his name. Well, no one told Alex Ross because <laughs> in that uh, uh, JLT game uh, against New South Wales at uh, Hurstville Oval, he took Nathan Lyon for 4 6 6, four, six, six 32 in the one over. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever think you'd be compared during your career to the GOAT? Oh well, now I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you did. And Nathan Lyon, the greatest of all time. Did you ever think that you'd be compared to the goat? So if he went for uh, 32 off one over and I went for 27 off two overs, does that make me a better spinner than Nathan Lyon? You're nearly twice the spinner. Of <laughs> yeah, but, um, hey, good to see Alex Ross in a bit of form. He's got plenty of talent. Oh, you're not wrong there. But uh, look, it, it'll be interesting to see how how they go. But uh, as our earlier caller Heath went and said. It seems that uh, no matter how well your performance are, maybe the selectors already have in their mind who they want for uh, the upcoming international season. Yeah, and I, again, I'd be interested in, in our um, South Australian listeners' view. I, I don't think the Adelaide Oval has been a great um, uh, educator mm-hmm. for batsmen from South Australia. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, people will could could argue with me on that, and you can argue with me on that, one three hundred two three five five four eight. if you disagree with what I'm about to say. But that, that track for many years, up to probably three years ago, was the flattest in Australia. Mm-hmm. And you really struggled without um, getting together and talking it through how you would get a result over four days. Mm-hmm. So I think that has held many a batsman in South Australia back that, you know, the country believes they've got easier conditions than what you get in Brisbane or what you get in Sydney or, or what you Perth. get in Melbourne or what you get in Perth. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's been a, a tick in the box to say, let's be going out and finding you know, South Australian batsmen. And some very good ones have come from there. Um, you know, Greg Blewett, uh, of course, Darren Lehman, the mm-hmm. Australian coach, David Hooks, were, were a wonderful player. And, there, and there's many, many more. We can go back for, for, for years. And um, uh, you know, Callum Ferguson's done a great job in, in recent years, particularly at at, at, at domestic um, level as well. Domestic level. Mm. So I don't think the Adelaide Oval has helped South Australian cricket from a batting perspective grow as it should have. Mm. Uh, yes, um, Heath's mentioned the population challenge. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a population challenge. I think that the wickets have just been too batsman friendly and it, it, it has then made players uh, not inadequate but find it Far more difficult when they go to Brisbane and get on a bit more bounce or go to Perth, get a bit more bounce, a bit of spin in Sydney and a bit of up and down in Melbourne. Um, suddenly, you know, they feel that they're, they're, they're uh, alien mm-hmm. to what's going on because they're used to what they've been presented at the Adelaide Oval. Look, it'll be interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to see how uh, the the new Perth Stadium will go um, for the for for the cricketers over in Western Australia mm. because uh, they pride themselves over there on uh, putting out some fantastic cricketers and let's not forget they they have done so in the past but uh, you know what we'd love to hear from you here on the OTR Talkback line one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. 5548 if you need milk bread eggs or something else OTR can sort you out because they never close OTR making life easy I'm actually on the OTR website right now and you can actually order some Subway uh, you can get slow cooked lamb and rosemary garlic gravy on the run, pretty pretty good there. But uh, hey, a little bit earlier, Simon, we caught up with um, an, a very talented young Australian batsman who plays for the Cricket Australia Eleven. In fact, you know a fair bit about this kid, uh, John O'Melo. Yeah, uh, very talented young fellow. Uh, went to Xavier College here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and um, 
Played under 17 state and national cricket. Played in the National Carnival a couple of years ago for the under-17 Australian side in the National Under-19 Carnival. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's played a lot of representative cricket. Good to see him now graduating to that Cricket Australia 11 to play against the, the full-blown guys, the educated guys, the guys that have played a lot of cricket. They've got a lot of experience, and uh, that'll really kick that Cricket Australia 11 on. And, well, the win against South Australia first up in the JLT series would have kicked them on a hell of a lot, but uh, he's a talented youngster. Yeah, well, before we get to the break, let's hear with our chat that we did with John O'Mello. Thank you very much for having me. Now, um, I'll, I'll quickly start off because, uh, first off, congratulations uh, on uh, your role in the Cricket Australia 11 because uh, you've done pretty well with the ball. And uh, let's not forget, too, earlier this year you had an unbeaten ton for the under-19s against Sri Lanka in Hobart. And that must give you a bit of confidence as you head into uh, the JLT One Day Cup. Yeah, definitely. I think it was pretty unreal experience playing in Tassie and um, having that sort of underage international experience and facing those sort of bowlers and those sort of players and just it was really just a big learning curve and coming into this tournament and this sort of thing it's um it's been really good and it's just another part of the journey and trying to just pick up as many things as I can along the way and um just understand the game more and become as comfortable as I can. John Simon O'Donnell here uh, great to have a chat thanks for your time. No worries good time. Jono, I've watched a bit of your cricket over over the years. Um, you started you know, coming through the, the pathway, if you like, and I remember you playing, I think, for an under-17 Australian 11 and under-19 um, carnival. Just yep. quickly commenting on the on the pathways you young men go through when you're identified as, as young up-and-coming cricketers. Do you think it's a... It's a really wholesome preparation, getting you ready then to be taking on guys who have played a lot of first-class cricket in a, in a JLT series. Um, well, for me personally, I think it's terrific. Um, I think I've always been able to just sort of learn more and um, get more out of myself when I'm sort of thrown in the deep end a bit, and being able to be exposed to these sorts of players that have um, played for Australia and um, played copious amounts of first-class cricket. So, I mean, me personally, I think. The, the pathway that young kids can go through these days is terrific. I mean, you saw heaps of boys last year like Jason Sanger go through the same sort of thing and Param Upal and um, Matthew Bryant um, now with with us in the CA11. I think us boys sort of just have to pinch ourselves a bit because of, um, experiences like this um, sort of don't come around a lot often. So, I mean, we, we love it. Um, it's just another another awesome experience that we can sort of um, sit back and just try and learn as much as we can um, without having too much pressure on ourselves to perform. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think it's a terrific um, idea from um, CA to sort of just give us young fellas a, a good go at this sort of level and try and um, find our feet. John O'Nibbs here, uh, mate. One thing, uh, you've got a pretty tough challenge tomorrow taking on New South Wales, which uh, we'll be seeing some pretty big names like Nathan Lyon and Mitchell Stark, who have played for Australia in there. But uh, it might it might be nice, as, as you would have seen earlier in the week, where Alex Ross just absolutely uh, poleaxed Nathan Lyon across the ground. <laughs> when you see opportunities like that, because let's face it, Nathan Lyon, a very, very good uh, test quality bowler and a, and a kid like Alex Ross to make his name for himself by doing something that, you know, an A.B. de Villiers or a Yuvraj Singh would do, must fill you with confidence. Do you, do you sort of go into tomorrow's game thinking, all right, Nathan, I've got, I've got Gaz, I've got you. You're in my sights. Time to make a name for myself. 
Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But I think um, seeing someone do those sorts of things um, to a player like Nathan Lyon and, and even Mitchell Stark, I mean, it, it does give you a little bit of confidence to think, oh yeah, they, they, they are human. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think just for me, it's just going to be keeping it very, very simple and um, just playing each ball on its merits and trying to just see each bowler as they are, not um, not as what they've done in the past. Jono, you spent your school years at Xavier College in Melbourne. I think there's, uh, I reckon it's three that have come through Xavier College in the last two or three years that have played either Australian or state under-17s or Australian or state under-19s. What's what's in the water at that joint? <laughs> um, which, I don't know, really, to be honest. I think it's just got a, a good crop of young cricketers coming through. Um, we've been fortunate enough to be coached pretty well. I think Darren Berry is now the coach um, of the boys at Xavier now in the first 11. And I think just, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think we're just... Um, good competitive cricketers that like to take the game on and actually um, and just learn and just sort of just take the game as it is and not sort of sit back and actually um, take the grunt of it all, I think. Well, mate, either way, you've got one hell of a pedigree against you and uh, I'll tell you, a superb effort. You must be looking forward to uh, maybe, because you're obviously eligible to get into the National Championship in Tassie this December and uh, the Under-19 World Cup this January. So hopefully you get yourself a good run of form against New South Wales. And being Victorian, I know I'm extremely biased here and there's going to be people in Sydney calling for my head, but nonetheless, I'd love to see you put a couple of balls straight over the bowler's head. So good luck tomorrow against New South Wales, big fella. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Stumps with Nims and Simon O'Donnell for OTR. Making life easy. And a big thank you to our friends at OTR for jumping on board. If you need milk, bread, eggs or something else, OTR can sort you out because they never close. OTR, making life easy. Check it out. They've got plenty more things than just milk, bread and eggs. You can get yourself uh, some Porto, Subway uh, and plenty more stuff. Simon, let's have a quick look at the uh, JLT Community Series scores at the moment because uh, at the moment, Tasmania are in all sorts of trouble. Four for 83. Could you believe it? Yeah, because I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I believe it. Oh, that is insane. Also, in the other in the other game, Queensland at the end of their fifty overs, uh, eight for eight. Oh, no, sorry, six for three hundred nine. So uh, not too bad there. No, Queensland uh, they got off uh, to a good start. And good to see Matt Renshaw and uh, Usman Khawaja amongst the runs too. Seventy four to Renshaw, eighty five to Usman Khawaja. Yeah, not too bad at all. But that wraps up Stumps for a, well, for the first week. On behalf of Simon O'Donnell, it's been an absolute pleasure to have your company. Simon, how about we do it next week? Yeah, why don't we, eh? (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks to everyone that called. We'll see you next week right here on 5AA.